Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. How are you? First of all, I mean, I just have some stuff to talk about. Thank you so much to everybody who reached out to me and was thinking about me. I really appreciate it. As you all know, I got laid off. Well, I guess the word is furloughed. I don't know. I'm actually still technically working six hours a week (laughs) to keep my health insurance. It's a whole thing, Um, which also means like my unemployment is probably going to be kicked back and I'm going to have to amend my filing. I'm not so sure. I definitely filed for unemployment incorrectly is my guess. So I'll be dealing with that. (laughs) But as you all know, I was like really worried. So I decided for my mental health because I was worried about not having enough to do every day. But thankfully, I solved that problem. I talked about last week wanting to start a Patreon to do a Patreon-exclusive podcast, and I did it. And guys, I am pumping out episodes. If you do not follow me on social media, then you don't know, but I started a Patreon. You can find it on Patreon under Liz Bentley. Just go to patreon.com slash Liz Bentley, L-I-Z-B-E-N-T-L-E-Y. Don't forget the, the E in there. Uh, you can find me, you can find it on social media if you come to Feathers Pod. It's my link in bio. And yeah, I started a podcast there and I've already released four episodes. I have another one I recorded yesterday that I'm putting out. I have um, basically a podcast to record every day of the next two weeks because I'm also taking uh, commissioned episodes. I'm letting people commission episodes. So far, I've done two episodes on sis- just like season one is Sister Wives. I did an episode on True Life, I'm an Alcoholic. Yesterday with Cara Berry, I recorded an episode on McKelty's Wedding from Sister Wives, so that's like season 12. This week, I'm going to kind of wrap up season one of Sister Wives and then jump ahead to season two where they move to Las Vegas because I think that's when the show kind of becomes what we know it as today and that's when it really pumps into action. I also have upcoming this week, I'm doing an episode on Gallery Girls. This week, I'm doing an episode on Dance Moms. This week, I am doing an episode, I think actually that's it. That's like four episodes. (laughs) Um, Then I have commissioned episodes on John and Kate Plus 8. I just commissioned an episode on Caroline Calloway and like blogging people. Um, I'm also going to be doing an episode um, on MTV Fat Camp. So that's all. So the Patreon is the in like the intro level is seven dollars a month, which I understand that a lot of people cannot afford right now. I actually just went through and canceled almost all my. I subscribed to like quite a few Patreons and I canceled almost all of them, which is sad and upsetting and sucks. But I'm trying really hard not to spend money because you know I don't have a job. Um, but if you are able to afford it, I. <laughs> I think it's a good deal. I'm like I said, I'm putting out like four episodes a week over there, um, which is making me feel good. I also this week really want to do first solid listen the Patreon and the network that Feathers in My Hair is associated with. I I do want to do another Ask Me Anything. I've released two Ask Me Anything's. There are both available on iTunes right now. Uh, like I talked about last week, I'm recording them. They're getting put on the Solid Listen Patreon, and then three days later, they're going on iTunes. So everyone that wants to hear them can hear them, but if you're a patron over there, you can hear them first. And just so you guys know, um, over on our Solid Listen Patreon, 
Troy is putting out episodes. He just did a really good episode on Wild Things. Uh, Molly, Molly McAleer, Malls, and Nicole, our producer, are doing a daily podcast called Quarantinis. And I believe they're going to start talking about Polly Married and Dating, which is a show I fucking love. I'm going to be on a Quarantinis episode soon. I know Troy is going to be on an episode. I just have to pick a topic. Um, We're really putting out a lot of content over on Solid Listen as well. So I heavily encourage you to either become a patron over there or stay a patron over there. So yeah, there's a lot of Patreon options. Um, If you can become a patron over on patreon.com slash Liz Bentley, I will greatly appreciate it. I feel so grateful for everybody that has supported me and that I've been able to pump out so much content. Giving myself like a podcast to do every day has really helped with my mental health. Between that and taking two-hour walks and doing yoga, it's like almost like I have full-time job. <laughs> it's almost like I have a full-time job, except I don't. <laughs> anyway, it's been really great. I'm really happy. So, you know, support Solid Listen, support Liz Bentley. If you can't support either, I fucking get it. <laughs> Times are tough. No judgment over here. I'm still, like I said, releasing Feathers in My Hair every week for free. Next week, Amanda's coming on Feathers in My Hair. Amanda uh, Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom. I'm going to go on Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom, and then we're going to record an episode for Feathers in My Hair. Usually, we uh, just do one episode and release it on both, but she's not recapping the new season, and I want to stay in the new season. I don't want to break to a throwback episode yet, so we are going to do a throwback episode for her. She's doing early seasons OG. And on my feed, we are going to do uh, like next week's episode. So I'm pretty hyped about that. We're going to record back to back. I was like, yeah, I totally want to do this, except we have to record my episode first because it's the more boring one. (laughs) We can't use all of our energy on the fun throwback episode we're going to do with you. (laughs) So we're going to record mine, take a break, record hers. It's going to be marathon podcasting. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I just like I'm happy about how good I feel and how I've kind of figured out something to do, like a project that's really been a niche. It's been good. It's like my mom doesn't feel so concerned about me <laughs> and things that I, you know what I mean? Because she was like, well, we can have you help with this and with this. And I was like, nope, now I have something that I'm doing every day. So that's really good. Uh, my parents, you know, aren't so worried But yeah, this shit is hard. I've been, like, taking social distancing really serious. I've only been out of the house except for to do walks. I live in a really big, uh, nice suburban, like, we call it a neighborhood. I think a lot of people would probably call it a subdivision. Half of it is, like, McMansion-type houses, and half of it is condos, and we live on the condo side. There's also carriage houses, which is kind of an ideal. Carriage houses are so nice. They're big. They're like four bedroom, really nice. So it's like a mixed use development, I guess. And there's like a pool and tennis courts and um, like a playground. I don't use, I use the pool obviously in the summer, but that's not open. I'm not using that stuff. But the the great thing is that I can walk like a loop of the neighborhood up like through where the houses are and then loop back around to the condos. Um, it's uphill, so it's a hard walk. It's like an actual exercise walk. And that's about 10K if I do this loop um, and it gets me like right back to my house and that's 10K steps. And so that's good. It takes me about two hours because I walk slowly and check on my phone while I walk because I'm addicted to my phone. That's real. (laughs) I'm fully addicted to screens, but you know, who isn't, right? 
And so, yeah, I've been like doing that. I've been doing yoga. It's hard. I hate doing yoga at home, guys. I hate, hate, hate it. I fucking miss my yoga studio so much. I miss hot yoga. Uh, But I've kind of figured out, even though at the yoga studio, I like to do like the slow, um, not easier, they're hard, but like the slower version of class that they have there. But at home, I think I need to do the faster, harder version, but like a, they do like a bite-sized version, which is 30 minutes as opposed to an hour. And I think that's kind of like my perfect uh, at-home yoga workout. I also have to do it on my phone because as I said, I'm addicted to my phone and I check my phone when I'm working out at home and it's not good. When I'm at the yoga studio, I leave my phone in the other room and then go into the studio. I Like I don't bring my phone, I don't check it. So that's been a little hard of an adjustment, the at-home workout that's not walking. But yeah, I want to give a shout out. So I had some people um, message me to be like, thank you so much for shouting out all of the people that aren't healthcare workers that are still going to work and making this fucking country run. Uh, One person pointed out that I like nobody was like, you fucking forgot this. It was like, hey, thank you so much. Maybe next week you can also acknowledge these people. And I absolutely want to do this. If you are listening to this and you want to message me and be like, hey, could you acknowledge these people that are working? Please, please message me. But like I said last week, I want to give a shout out to truck drivers, utility workers, grocery store workers, uh, just everybody that is on the front lines. Uh, Somebody pointed out that they work at Postmates. They're not like they work in logistics at Postmates, I think they said. And that it's been like a nightmare for Postmates drivers. So delivery drivers, like shout out to delivery drivers, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, just straight old Domino's delivery guys, people that are doing grocery deliveries, Amazon, FedEx, all of those people, the mailman. Oh, I was so glad yesterday I had a return that I had to do because you guys know I love doing my returns and uh, not going to work has fucked up my returns because at work there's a blue box and I can like easily, I have like packing tape and it's very easy for me to do my returns out of the office because I have packing tape and then I take them to the blue box. And I also uh, work like very, very close to a UPS store if I can't put it in the blue box or like the UPS box. We have a UPS, FedEx, and blue box all next to each other. And if I can't get them in there, I can easily go to the UPS store or the post office that's right down the street from that. And I saw the mailman yesterday and was like, I have a return. And I was like, can you wait there for one second? And then I like ran into my house and grabbed it and threw it to him. He's like, just toss it to me so I wouldn't have to get close to him. That was great. Like big shout out to my mailman. Um, He also told me that I could like sign up for a package to be picked up at my door because because I live in a condo, we don't have like, you know what I mean? We have like apartment style mailboxes. Um. And we don't have like a fucking drop, like a anything bigger than just like a little envelope slot. So that's hard. Um, okay, so I wanted to say shout out to all the delivery workers of all kind, but especially food delivery workers. And I also wanted to shout out to everyone working on the railway, which I definitely didn't think about. And I had a very kind user message me and be like, hey, I don't think anybody realizes like how much of our country still relies on railroads and that we need the railroads to get all our shit. And I was like, you know what? I did not realize that. And so I want to give a shout out to that. If you have somebody that you would like me to shout out next week that is doing our essential work uh, to make this country fucking run so that even while we are social distancing and self-isolating, we are still able to have the comforts and luxury of living in a first world nation. Do we still use that phrase? A developed nation? Is it just developing 
in developed nations? I don't know. We still have the comforts and luxuries of living the way that we do. Seriously, big shout out. Major shout out to all the teachers that are teaching online and like put their entire school year online within like a week's notice. That's like fucking incredible. That's so incredible. Shout out to all of the like, I feel so sad for like the high school seniors that are missing their prom and graduation. I know I would have been devastated by that. So yeah, just shout out, like just shout out to everybody that's doing the thing and surviving and it's just good to like keep the positivity and remember that we're all in this together as one Leah Messer Sims Calvert Messer would remind us in a commercial in which she does not blink. She would say we're alone together. (laughs) That was so fucking weird. (laughs) What the fuck was that? (laughs) When I saw that, I was like, what is why isn't she blinking (laughs) we're alone together and I appreciate it and yeah also if you have a second house don't go there (laughs) do I wish I was at my shore house right now yeah I do wish I was at the shore but I'm not going there because if I get sick the hospital cannot take care of me they do not have enough beds for the locals don't go there the grocery store does not have enough food for you Don't go to your beach house. Don't go to your summer house. Don't go to your winter house. Stay at your home. So yeah, those are my shout outs. Those are my lectures. Do we like this? (laughs) Do we like this? I do want to have like, I think it's crazy the idea of having a podcast in which like we don't acknowledge what's going on. Like my life has completely changed in the last two weeks. I went from like going to my job going to yoga, going to my meetings, seeing my friends, to, like, not leaving my home and having no job, like, very, very quickly. And the idea that I could, like, just get on here and, like, not talk about that, just, it's not me. It's not possible. It's not, that's just not a thing that's ever going to happen. So if people are like, I just don't want to hear about COVID from podcasts, I apologize and I'm going to switch to Teen Mom now. But I, like, this podcast has always been about me, right? (laughs) I've never pretended that this podcast will be about anything else but me. So I'm going to, I need to talk about what's going on with me and I feel very connected to the world usually. So I want to talk about it. Okay. We can talk about Team Mom now. Uh, Just a little update. I just opened my phone to Instagram and Jamie from, you know, Kayla's mom posted, we have all moved back to Illinois. Now, Obviously, Luke's classes were probably canceled and went back, like, his school was probably canceled and they went online, but because they have the apartment there, guys, I'm just not sure about Luke's basketball. (laughs) I'm still unsure about it. I would like to know what is going on with it. When they say they all moved back, I wonder really what that means. I wonder why. I, like, I'm so confused. I'm really confused about everything that has to do with this news, this move to Iowa and then the move back to Illinois. Because, I mean, I guess I understand, like, if he's out of school until August, like, to move back. But, like, they had an apartment with a lease, right? And, like, isn't it harder? Like, they don't have a place to live in Illinois, so do they lease a new place? I think he's done with school. I, I think Luke is done with basketball in school. So, we shall see. 
I would like some updates on that. Ugh, I'm so sad about Team Mom Young and Pregnant. This is so wrong. It's so wrong. Okay, let's get into the new episode of Teen Mom OG, and we'll get there right after a quick break. So I'm going to start with Kate, and I'm also going to include the parts where they're all in Indiana and Kate's, because that's kind of how they did it on the episode, but... What the fuck was this episode? What the fuck was this episode? I Like, what the fuck was this episode? I cannot... Be- like, okay, first of all, first of all, if I was Macy, I think I'm only going to include Macy because I, I don't really know how Cheyenne actually feels about anything. I don't... I don't... We don't know Cheyenne, so... I can't really speak to Cheyenne. I won't say Kate because I think Kate is a simpleton and she doesn't get embarrassed by things or care about things. But if I was Macy and this was on camera, me calling Andrew a narcissist, me saying that Amber didn't deserve any of this, whatever all that bullshit Macy said was, I would be so fucking embarrassed I would be so embarrassed. I know she kind of released a statement after the tapes came out. Yes, by the way, this episode was filmed before Andrew leaked any of the audio tapes. So, like, I understand that that does change things a little bit. But, like, does it? Does it? Because we know for a fact that Amber has a long history of abuse. We know for a fact that, like, she hits her boyfriends. We know for a fact that she has volatile and toxic relationships. So, like, you didn't need to be there. (laughs) You didn't need to be publicly supporting her like this. So, I say, like, well, it changes things. But, like, it doesn't really... It changes things a little bit, but not a ton. Um, I think that, like, I would be re-releasing a statement today. (laughs) Further distancing myself from Amber... And letting the world know that I had not yet heard the audio tapes that I want to remind everyone that when I called Andrew Narcissist, I was not aware of the audio tapes of him being physically abused and Amber bragging about how she felt good about it and that I no longer am considering Amber to be a close friend and that I have reevaluated how I will respond to situations like this. I know some people are going to be like, well, you shouldn't just ditch your friends in their time of need. But, like, maybe you should. You know? Like, maybe in some cases you should. As I've said one million times, I do not think Amber or Andrew is perfect. I do not think Andrew, that any of this, like, negates his history. I do not think Andrew is some saint. But I 100% believe that Andrew is the victim here and Amber is the abuser. And for me, it is really that cut and dry and black and white. And... I mean, call me naive, call me choosing a side over the other, call me having to have a bad guy, but, like, I listen to those tapes and I believe that to be true. I just do. I do not believe that Andrew made Amber do all of this to him, which is what I, like, believe. I've seen a lot of people say shit like that. Um, I think a lot of people believe that he set her up, that he pushed her to do it, that he recorded her as a way to make her look bad, but I just, I don't buy that. I don't think that makes Andrew some type of good person. 
because he's a victim of domestic violence, but I just think it makes him a victim of domestic violence. And I believe Amber is an abuser who has taken no accountability and has no accountability and has no, really no consequences. Like, she has supervised visits with her kid, but, like, she doesn't really care about that. She still has her very high-paying job. She still has her cast and crew publicly supporting her. You know, like, she has faced very little consequence for this. And she didn't have any, she hasn't had any restrictions with Leah. Gary and Christina are supporting her. They believe Andrew's the bad guy. Although I will be interested to see when the audio tapes get released how everybody deals with it. But I think it's still going to be more walking around on eggshells. Nobody wants to upset Amber. Amber's the good guy. Bad Andrew made this all happen. And I'm just fucking sick of it. I'm really sick of it. It's really despicable how MTV is portraying this. And they're making it seem like Amber or Andrew. Andrew and Amber sound too similar today, I guess. They're making it seem like Andrew is some awful guy that's only out for money because he wants to be paid. Yo, go fuck yourself, MTV. Why shouldn't Andrew get paid? Why shouldn't he get paid? They paid Bristol $250,000 for her first season. Like, why shouldn't he ask for more money? If he's going to be, like, the star of this season, his trauma and traumatic experience and his abuse is going to be the star of this season, why shouldn't he ask for what everybody else gets? I don't think that's unfair. That's just smart business. Because if he's not getting that money, then why should he do the show? It's not worth it. And people are like, he should just do it to tell his side of the story. But we clearly see how MTV is editing this. So, like, just because he tells his side of the story doesn't mean MTV is going to fairly share his side of the story. And I think Andrew's an idiot, so he knows that. It's just, it's just really hard to watch. So... It starts with Kate and Tyler being back from Hawaii, and it's Amber's first court hearing, so Kate reached out to Amber, and Amber basically asked her to come. And Kate's like, well, you know, she, like, never reaches out, so Amber doesn't ask for help, so I need to go, and I'm gonna go. And Kate calls Macy, and Macy's like, we're not sure what led up to Amber's arrest, but we know she's stressed out about not being able to see James. Like, we're not sure what led up to the arrest. That's a weird and bad statement. Also, like, those voiceovers are done after the fact. So, like, you you know what led up to the arrest. You know. And, like, please miss me with this Amber Bean said that she can't see James. We know she doesn't parent that kid. <laughs> you know, like, we, like, Macy's not an idiot. Macy watches the episodes. Like, she knows that Amber doesn't give a fuck about parenting the kid. Like, Kate... I think it's just dumb and, like, kind of believes in the best of Amber for some stupid reason. Cheyenne, I think, like, just doesn't care. But, like, Macy knows the truth. I'm absolutely the most disappointed with Macy when it comes to all of this because I feel like Macy should be on the correct side here. And I think the correct side should be to stay out of it. Like, I'm not saying that she needs to publicly come out and be like, I love Andrew. I 100% support Andrew. Andrew's in the right. Like, I'm not saying she needs to do that, but what she does need to do is make it known that she's not going to support Amber no matter what. Because here's the thing, like, if somebody is abusing their partner, especially abusing their partner in front of their child, which she did multiple times, and let's be real, like, probably abusing her kids, um, yeah, I said it. Like, I think Amber probably gets rough with baby James. Why wouldn't she? Here's my thing. Like, if you hit your partner, why wouldn't you? Like, 
it's not hard for me to believe that you hit your kids. She doesn't hit Leah because she's not around Leah. But, like, do I believe that she gets tough with James? Like, sure. And I don't feel bad about saying that, even if we haven't seen proof of it or whatever. Like, I don't... I think there was a recording where she was screaming about hating being a mom. And, like, and Andrew was accusing her of it. Don't forget, Amber also asked the nanny, their nanny, to lie. To lie to the court about what happened. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Amber is such a fucking mess. Um, So they all decide to fly to New York. Cheyenne says there are so many sides to it. Not New York. Indiana. Um, Which is just like, sure. There are so many sides to it, which is why you shouldn't be on anybody's side. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can say, like, there's different sides to everything, then, like, just don't take a side publicly. Like, it's it's that simple. To me, it's that simple. So, Macy, they're all in the car, the three of them. And Macy's like, we've only seen the media side. And Kate's like, I don't read that media shit. And Macy's like, I don't read that media shit either. And it's like, you two are fucking liars. Because the two of you are always reading that media shit on this show and always talking about it. (laughs) Oh, God. And Kate's like, I need to hear it from the person's mouth. And it's like... Why would you guys believe anything Amber had to say? And somebody I didn't write down who says, no matter what happened that night, Amber still deserves to have love and friends and a family to fall back on. And to that I say, does she? Does anybody deserve to have friends and a family to fall back on? I'm not sure. I'm not so sure because here's my question. Why do you deserve friends? If you are not a good person and you abuse the people around you and you are out of control and you are harmful to people, you don't deserve to have friends. Like, nobody deserves friendship and relationships with people. Those are all two-way streets. And I don't see why Amber deserves to have her co-workers, her cast, show up in this situation. They can say they want to be there to support her, but to say that she deserves their support, I think is a very weird and incorrect statement. Um, It basically, it's an enabling statement. You know, that's what this is. They're all just enabling Amber. Like, everybody's enabling Amber, which has always been the case, and it's been why Amber is the way that she is, because she doesn't face serious consequence for her behavior. Yeah, she went to prison, um, and then she got out, and she was right back on MTV making money and making bad choices, like moving Matt in her house and totally regressing any of the progress that she had made in prison. So I take umbrage with the statement that she deserves anything, because I just don't, I just don't really think that that's true. I don't think anybody in life, like, deserves, like, if you do bad and you are bad and you make bad choices and you have bad behavior and then you have to face consequences, I don't think you necessarily deserve to have support there. So while they're all in Indiana, Tyler's with the kids and he's talking with his friend and he was like, we went to Hawaii. It was a surprise. I'm usually the one doing surprises. So she did the surprise for me. I loved it. 
Um, they both agree that Caitlin's making positive changes. And then Tyler says that she's going to talk to her psychiatrist to get off her meds. And I did like a full record scratch and was like, why the fuck would Caitlin get off her meds? I cannot for the life of me understand why Tyler wants Caitlin to reduce or get off her meds. Um, we do know that Tyler seems to be pretty anti-medication, that he won't go on medication, that he got diagnosed with bipolar disorder but refuses to go on medication. I am like, what the fuck is he talking about? Caitlin has been doing better for like a year. That's not a long time. I guess maybe it feels like a long time to Tyler because like every day, day in and day out, he's living it. And so he really can feel the changes. It really feels like a big difference has been made. But I, I'm like, what? (laughs) When he said that, my jaw was on the floor. I could not believe that in this episode, they actually like went through with talking to the psychiatrist about Caitlin getting off meds. I like was... I don't know, guys. I was really surprised to hear that because nothing to me indicates that Caitlyn should be getting off meds. Now, am I Caitlyn's doctor? No. Do I see Caitlyn on the daily? No. Do I only see what's on the show? Yeah. But what I see is, like, she's actually making progress and doing a lot better and seems so much more stable, so why would you rock that boat? One of the biggest issues with people that, you know, struggle with mental health stuff is that they get on meds and they get stabilized And then they're like, oh, well, I'm better now, so I'll go off my meds. And not realizing that the reason that they're doing so much better and they're so much more stable is because of their medication. And it just, you know, Caitlin's been depressed her whole life. Like, it got really bad in the last couple years, but she's always had depression. Like, from her 16 and pregnant episode, that girl was depressed as fuck. And who could blame her? Her life was really bad. She had a really bad childhood and adolescence and young adulthood. And... If she, like, only being on meds for a year and doing better for a year is, like, it's nothing. When she's 29 years old, however old she is, how old are these girls? Are they in their 30s yet? I guess they're probably two or three years younger than me. And I'm 31. So they're probably all, like, rounding the corner on 30. I think Amber might be 30. But, like, Caitlin is, you know, she's had one good year, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of like when people get sober and they've been sober for like six months and expect everything to be so different. And it's like, okay, but like you were using for like 10 years and now in six months you want everything to be like fine and dandy. Like that's not how it's going to work. And the same I think could be said for Caitlin. And I was so relieved when her doctor was like, no girl. (laughs) So, so, so relieved. And I was so relieved when Caitlin was like, you're right. Um, I think that the only reason she went to the psychiatrist to talk about getting off her meds is because Tyler doesn't want her to be on meds. And here's my sneaking suspicion is that everything's going a little too good for Tyler right now. I think Tyler wouldn't admit it and isn't aware of it, but Tyler, much like Cody Brown on Sister Wives, shout out my other podcast, um, Tyler is very addicted to chaos and who could blame him? I mean, his dad is butch. And his mom is Kim and his sister is Amber and his wife is Kate. And this is just like, I think a lifetime of chaos is his reality. And I think that he's getting a little bored now because they have this house that they're done working on. They have, you know, Kate's doing well. The kids are doing well. Like everybody's doing well. 
And I think that Tyler is subconsciously bored. And this is a problem for a lot of people. It used to be a big problem for myself is that they don't know what to do in times of calmness. And they get really bored and they... Oh my gosh, I have the hiccups. I'm so sorry. That just came out of nowhere. That's obnoxious to hear, I'm sure. But it wasn't a burp. It was a hiccup. Um, What was I saying? Oh, I just think that Tyler's in this place of like feeling really bored. And so he's like, maybe Kate should get off her meds because she's doing better. And like, we're going to do great. But I think in the back of his mind, he would never admit it. And I don't think he's even aware of it. What he's really trying to do is create some chaos and some drama. Um, I think that most people wouldn't pick up on that because Tyler's the good one in the relationship. But I, I do think that is true. So, um, oh, Tyler does acknowledge in this conversation how bad Caitlin's childhood was and that she just never learned to deal with anything, which was nice to hear. Okay, so... Back at, in Indiana, all the girls go to Amber's house, and what disturbed me most was, like, this was, like, a cute celebration reunion. There was nothing somber about this. There was nothing sad and upsetting about it. It's like they were celebrating that Amber was about to go to court to see if she'd be able to see her son again. Amber says that thinking about that shit that's going on is killing her, and she's like, you know, he was acting weird for quite some time. And now, look, he got what he wanted. You know, he's in my house. He's driving my car. <sighs> Once again, it's like, am I supposed to feel bad for you? Am I supposed... Like, the fact that Amber feels no sense of remorse whatsoever and is only talking about how Andrew has wronged her should tell everybody what they need to know. Kate asks what happened, and Amber's like, well, I can't really talk about that. And we do find out that Leah called to be like, I hope things go well in court, mommy. That poor fucking girl. That poor, poor, poor little girl. Amber says she's like, I just need to release how I feel and I can't. And Cheyenne's like, let's scream. And Macy's like, I'll scream. And so they do this big thing where they like all scream in the car together. And once again, it's like, this is a cutesy moment that they're all having. And we're all supposed to be like, ah, that's so cute. And not be horrified that they're releasing the anger that Amber has towards the man that she abused for over a year. You know. (laughs) Cute! (sighs) Okay, the rest of Kate's scenes are back in, um, where does she live? In Michigan. (laughs) So I guess I'll, should I switch to Amber now? Sorry, this episode's a little weird to recap because, no, I'll just finish off Kate and then I'll go through. Um, You know, them all being together makes it hard for me to recap and they should consider that when editing episodes. So after the court stuff, Amber goes, excuse me, Caitlin goes back to Michigan and she sees her psychiatrist and her psychiatrist is like, you're on a really strong medicine that has a really bad withdrawal. And I actually don't usually uh, prescribe that to my clients, but you, Caitlin's like, well, I, you know, I came in on it. I'm assuming when she was in treatment, she went on it. And they're like, she's like, yeah, so here's the thing. Like, I don't let my clients get, well, let. She's like, I don't recommend my clients get off medicine unless they have done, you know, the correct amount of therapy. And that's not one year of therapy. That's not six months of therapy. That's years of therapy. And I was like, yes, queen. 
I loved this psychiatrist. I was so happy with everything she said. She explained to Caitlin why she absolutely should not go off meds, not just physical, but mental stuff. And like that she is not like you're going to have to be on this med for the rest of your life, but like that you need years of treatment in order to function um, successfully and stably in your life. They also talk about the fact that she didn't have postpartum with Veda, which is great. I mean, I think at least I've been able to tell. Um, they go over some symptoms of postpartum and Kate just doesn't have them. And Kate is satisfied with everything the doctor told her, which made me happy. She didn't buck back at all. She seems compliant. She wants to stay on plan. And that was really great. And I think it's a really good sign of where she is. So they, she talks to Tyler. I did, we got a little scene of Nova playing teacher. And I wanted to say, I think Nova is cute and her speech is getting like, you can tell her speech is progressing a lot better. She, like, I thought she did, like, a really intense baby voice for a while, but you can tell she's definitely seems to be pretty on target uh, with life. And that makes me happy. Their kids seem happy and healthy and stable. And I think that is a real, like, testament to both Caitlin and Tyler and the life that they build for themselves. And I can, you know, critique them up and down all day long. But when you look at both of their childhoods and what their parents were like and what their lives are like and the abuse and the trauma that they suffered through and the fact that Tyler was like attempting suicide as a tween, um, to see that they have happy and healthy kids is, it's nice. I mean, I'm proud of them for that. So, Caitlin basically tells Tyler that she's not going off the meds. And Tyler seems, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I just don't understand Tyler's motivations except for the fact that I think he secretly wants chaos. Uh, They talk about how the fact that Caitlin got the genetic testing done and realized that the Zoloft she was on wasn't helping her at all. Um, So that's good. I wonder if she's on Effexor. I know Effexor does brain zaps. A lot of medicines do brain zaps. Unfortunately, like SSRIs are really hard and serious and they have bad side effects and withdrawals. But when they work, they work and they work well and they help people. Tyler is like, well, you know, one day you'll get off meds. And it's like, why? And Kate even says like, well, I feel good. So why would I get off the medicine? And I was like, yes, queen. Okay, let's go on to Macy. So while Macy is away... Bentley goes to play golf with the Edwards clan. Now, I thought people online were being a little dramatic about this, and I think MTV edited this dramatically um, in a way that we were supposed to, like, really think Ryan and Mackenzie were, like, evil for this, but I, I don't know. The music they were playing was so fucking dramatic and unnecessary. So, basically, um... Mackenzie and Ryan and then Jen and Larry and Benley go golfing. They're like on two different teams. Um, I'm not sure if they were, I don't know. We didn't really see Mimi golfing. So maybe Jen wasn't golfing. She was just riding along with them for the fun. And they, Benley and Ryan like get into a fight, like a tiff about the score. And Ryan's kind of egging him on and teasing him. And Bentley like tells Jen and Larry like, he's wrong. He's wrong. And Ryan is like, I don't know. He's like teasing him and it's maybe a little too far. Okay. How do I want to, I want to acknowledge that I believe Ryan is immature and does not have a fatherly fatherly relationship with Bentley. And I think we all know that and we can all agree with that. 
I just don't think this scene was this bad. I don't think Macy and Taylor let Bentley win. You know what I mean? Like, I I think they're all very competitive people, and Bentley's actually, like, quite a skilled athlete from what we know and takes sports really seriously. So I don't think, like, keeping the right score and, like, teasing and being competitive is necessarily a bad thing. I think in the greater context of the relationship, it's like Ryan back off and shut up because, like, you don't, you're not that close with Bentley and you don't spend that much time with him. So like, you don't need to like rub it in, but let's be real. We've all acknowledged Ryan is Bentley's big brother and he was treating him like a big brother. Right? So I think if we watch this scene in the con, I think I'm watching this scene in the context of like, that's Bentley's big brother and he's just kind of being a dick big brother, but it's like so harmless and like in the long run, it truly means nothing. But also, like, I don't, I don't play golf. I'm not a golfer. I worked at a golf course for a while, and I don't, but that's, like, the extent of everything I know about golf. I never played golf. My dad doesn't golf, so we're just, like, not a golf family. Um, I feel like if your dad golfs, you're more likely to be a golf family, but my dad does not golf, so we're not a golf family. Um, so I don't really, I, like, the conversation they were having, I didn't even really understand <laughs> because, like, golf's just not a sport that I know about, really. And they, like, so I can't really express to you the way they were fighting over the score, something with the shot, and if they were up by one or up by two, I think is what they were fighting about. And Ryan was saying they're up by two, and Bentley was saying they're only up by one. But yeah, it was like kind of watching a dickish big brother, like, tease the little brother, like, a little too much, but is actually fine. And I think that because that's kind of the relationship Bentley and Ryan have. Like, I I didn't think it was that bad. But, like, if I had actual hopes for Ryan to be a good father, I would not like this scene. I think that's what it is, is that, like, I don't think Ryan is ever going to have a good relationship with Bentley ever, and they're never going to have a father-son relationship ever. Like, let's be real. Taylor is Bentley's dad, and then on his, like, bio father's side, Larry is his number one male influence. Like, Larry and Taylor are his main male influences, right? Um, As we've always said, like, Macy co-parents with Jen and Larry. Like, she doesn't co-parent with Ryan. Ryan is an older sibling. So I just don't see the huge deal in this scene. I thought that the music from MTV was, like, really too dramatic, and it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth, and I got a little contrarian, I think, where I was like, oh my god, get over it, MTV. Like, it just wasn't that serious, and I think Bentley, as a kid that, like, plays a lot of sports and is a serious athlete, can deal with, like, a little smack talk and a little teasing when it comes to playing. Like, I just think he can deal with it. Bentley's a tough kid. I, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, afterwards, Macy and, excuse me, Mackenzie and Ryan talk about how nice it was that they could spend time together because Bentley has sports every single weekend and they never get to do stuff like go golfing together. And I have criticized in the past that I think Bentley's in too many sports considering he's not even in middle school yet. I think it's crazy that every single weekend he is like on serious travel sports teams every weekend of the year. And doesn't have time to do, like, anything, it seems like. So I got what Mackenzie and Ryan were saying there. Um, I forgot Mackenzie had another baby and was pregnant. And I, like, was looking at her. <laughs> this is off on the golf course scene. And I was like, why does she look like that? 
like her stomach. I was like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, she was like six months pregnant. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> she really doesn't look pregnant. Like she looks a little pregnant, like just enough that you're like, wait, what? I totally forgot she was pregnant. Okay. And then we get a scene of Macy and Taylor talking about the trip and she, Macy's like, Amber's doing as good as she can. And Taylor's like, you don't have to agree. You just need to support her. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> like, once again, do you need to support her? I don't understand this this mentality of, like, you need to support them. I'm not saying that they can never talk to Amber again, that they need to cut Amber off. But, like, nobody needed to go to her court hearing. Nobody needed to fly to another fucking state to go to her hearing. And, oh, so they want to make Andrew look bad for asking for money. But, like, the reason that all of these bitches went to Indiana is because MTV probably gave them a bonus. Macy does at least acknowledge that we don't have all the details or facts and that it's a freaking mess. Like, finally. Oh, my God. I forgot Mackenzie. Little Mackenzie. I totally forgot to talk about her. Okay, let's talk about Mackenzie right after a quick break. Hey guys, today's episode of Feathers in My Hair is brought to you by Best Fiends, a mobile puzzle game perfect for social distancing. Best Fiends is a game you can play right on your phone and is designed to be played by anyone. Best Fiends is great because the puzzles are challenging enough to be engaging, but you don't have to be some serious gamer to play. The bright colors of the interface are totally pleasing to the eye, and I love to collect the game's cute characters as I play. I've been stuck in my house social distancing with no work for the last week and a half, and let me tell you... Best Fiends has been a true sanity saver. I've been spending hours playing, and I have to say, I'm totally crushing it. I've made it to level 98, and after recording this, I'm going to go right back to playing. Best Fiends updates their game every month, so it never gets stale. You don't need the internet to play, so it's a perfect game for essential workers that are on the subway, or those of us currently dealing with slow Wi-Fi since everyone in our house is now working from home. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, to take a break from Mackenzie Mc... From all the madness to talk about Mackenzie McKee. So, Josh and I are in a really bad place right now, is how we open. We find out that they're living separately, and school starts tomorrow, and she's just trying her best to push through. She still wants to work at her business, so she goes to see her mom and her sister at their family gym, where she does most of her filming and photo shooting, I guess. And she's talking to her mom and her sister, and they're talking about the fact that it's Gannon's birthday party coming up and Mackenzie's like I don't know if Josh will be there or not and her mom's like well where is he living is he staying in the spare bedroom and she's like he stays here there anywhere like I don't know where the fuck Josh is like I don't care about Josh like she doesn't give a fuck in this episode it's really funny although I will say this is like weird to watch knowing that they do that whole vow renewal thing and Josh finds Jesus and then Angie dies and they're together and now they're apart again, according to Mackenzie in social media. So this is like, I'm getting some whiplash, I think. And I would imagine that's how most of her family feels. And I kind of think that's why they're not taking this that seriously. Like you can tell her sister, Whitney, especially this whole time is like, what are you talking about? Like, I think that they do this all the time. 
and they break up and get back together and Mackenzie's like I'm getting a divorce I'm getting a divorce fuck Josh I hope Josh dies and then like two days later they're back together so I have a feeling that she just isn't talking that much like I just think the sisters are kind of letting Mackenzie talk and just like aren't getting that involved because they kind of know that this is what she does right like this is just her thing and I think for them it's like not worth like joining on the Josh shit talking um, because they know Josh will be back. And we know Josh is back because literally in the episode for next week, Josh leaves her flowers and they like are working on it again. So it's Gannon's birthday party and Josh does show up and Mackenzie's like, we barely talked. Uh, Mackenzie's wearing full on Beetlejuice pants. (laughs) And shortly after he gets there, he leaves. And Mackenzie's like, if you can deal with yourself not attending your child's birthday party, then leave. And that's just sad. Oh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie. She, afterwards, she has a sad, sad sister, or sad, sad talk with her sister. And, oh, I will say, I started crying at one point because, this is insane. Um, They sang Happy Birthday to Gannon, and they flashed to Angie singing Happy Birthday. And I literally started crying because I was like, oh, no, that's like the last birthday like the last birthday party of Gannon's that Angie will ever be at and Gannon really loves Angie they lived with Angie until he was like five like they're really Angie was really involved with her grandkids and that made me really sad (laughs) I was like oh but in a way it's nice that this is on camera like the last his I mean (laughs) it's nice that it's on camera the last birthday party that Angie was at for him it's probably not great for him that it's the theme of it is that his dad's a piece of shit and his mom hates him but I don't know it just made me sad because Angie looked really happy and like proud and happy to be there and like she looked sick but like not not three months from death sick, you know? Like, she looked thin, and she had her head covered because she doesn't have hair, but she didn't look like she'd be dead within three months, which is, I can't imagine how hard it was for their family. You know, regardless of how Angie acts sometimes and my feelings of her, like, her family loved her very much, and that's, it's sad to watch. And I, if I was Mackenzie watching that, I would probably lose my mind. Um, so... Oh, while she's at the party, her sister's like, so what's Josh doing? And Mackenzie's like, I don't know. And her sister kind of reminds her, like, well, this is about Gannon. Like, this is Gannon's party. It's not your party. And Mackenzie's like, I don't care. I don't know. I think it's easy to read the sisters as not supportive. But I kind of have a feeling this is more like your friend that's broken up with her boyfriend or husband a hundred times and then wants to come to you to shit talk. And you're like... I don't want to shit talk because I know you're going to be back together tomorrow. And every time I shit talk, you guys get back together. And then it's fucking weird and awkward. And so I would just rather not say anything. <laughs> like, that's some real shit. That's some real shit. So after the party, she's talking with her sister. I don't think Whitney. I don't know what the other sister's name is. And her sister's like, so where's Josh? And Mackenzie's like, don't know, don't care. And she said, you know, I told Josh you're not my person. <laughs> Her sister goes, you said that? <laughs> like, I have to laugh because that's, like, some harsh shit. Like, you're you're not my person. <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> 
poor Mackenzie. I, like, am so on to Mackenzie when she's hating on Josh, but I won't fully let myself get on her side because I know she takes that motherfucker back. And I don't believe, I won't believe that Josh and Mackenzie are broken up ever. Even if they get a divorce. Like, they'll get remarried. They'll have a remarry. They'll, like, have a second wedding. Um, so she says that Josh is a person that makes her feel ugly and he makes her feel this big and she hates herself so much now that she can't love him, which is some real shit and some sad shit. And I feel for her. So Mac is like, the only reason that I married Josh is because of Gannon and I wanted to feel like we were a family and I forced this shit and I should have left him nine years ago and I didn't. She said, when I was walking down the aisle, I knew that Josh didn't love me. And her sister was like, this is such a stupid question. She goes, from the way he looked at you? (laughs) And she was, Kenzie was like, no. In my gut, I knew that he didn't love me and I was marrying him for Gannon. We did get a flashback of their iconic wedding in her iconic wedding dress. And Mac is like, I just hate that I married him. And I feel... I feel so sad for Mackenzie in this episode. Hearing her say, like, Josh is not my person and he makes me feel like shit is so sad. I mean, it's good that she's acknowledging it, I guess. In a way, I'm like, I can't believe we haven't had Mackenzie on Team Mom for the last six years because I think her and Josh do this every six months and we've just been missing out on so much. I think this is just what her and Josh do. And that is sad and exhausting. I can't possibly imagine, like, having to be part of that. Um, when they're doing that, like, you know how the last, like, minute they do the montage over a sad song always? They, I noticed, I was about to, like, turn it off until I noticed that Mackenzie was throwing out all of her (laughs) canvas pictures of her and Josh. (laughs) I love, like, you know she throws them out and then they, like, break up and she gets mad and, like... Then she has to reorder them when they get back together. <laughs> Mackenzie! I cannot believe Mackenzie McKee has not been on Team Mom OG this whole time. Like, this bitch was built for reality TV. She is unhinged. Mackenzie is, like, operating on a totally different level than the rest of us, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm going to be so mad watching them get back together and do that vow renewal shit. But I will say I'm not not looking forward to, like, them having a massive blow up after Angie passes. That will be tough and nice to watch. By nice, I mean, like, entertaining. That makes me a bad person, I'm aware. But, like, it is what it is, you know? Okay, let's talk about Cheyenne. So, Matt is still crashing at her place. Surprise, surprise. And... Corey is going to watch Cheyenne when, uh, watch Cheyenne, watch Ryder while Cheyenne is in Indy. Do people in in Indianapolis say Indy? Probably not. But I don't know. You never know. You really, you never know. So Corey comes over to get Ryder and Ryder's just like screaming on the top of her lungs. And Cheyenne's like, does she do that all day when she's with you? And Corey's like, no. And at first I was thinking like, Well, you know, babies are different around their moms than they are around their dads. Like, I know with my nephew, like, every second that my sister-in-law is around him, it's like, mommy, 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 you have to, like, he cannot stand not having her undivided attention. Like, he needs mommy to play with him at all times. 
But when it's just my brother, like, he is fine with my brother just sitting there, like, being on his phone or the computer or whatever. And he plays by himself. But he, like, doesn't really let my sister-in-law do that. So I'm, I was like, no, maybe it's that. But then later in the episode, we're over at Corey's and he's talking to Taylor. And he was like, um, Cheyenne and I really need to get on the same page because I think that, um, Ryder's starting to have issues and she's not going to want to come over here because she realizes I have a ton of rules. And he's like, you know, brushing her teeth at night, putting her to bed, um, only having the pacifier at nighttime. And I was like, oh, yikes, 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 is Cheyenne not doing that? I have some questions. I have some major questions. Um, he brings up, he said, you know, I just watched that episode where her and Matt brought Ryder to the vineyard and Ryder was like out of fucking control and her behavior was awful and I would just never let her behave that way. Now, here's the thing. I don't trust Corey at all, but we do see that Ryder is like really cute and smart and funny and like very endearing and charismatic, but like she wiles out. (laughs) With Cheyenne, like, we all watched that trip along with Corey, apparently, and we're like, this little girl is, like, not behaving well. And I, like, we don't really see her with Corey that often. Like, we haven't seen Corey take Ryder on a trip, so I kind of figured that was just, like, how Ryder was. Like, she was a really energetic kid that's hard to control. It fucking happens. But when Corey is saying, like, that behavior is unacceptable and it doesn't happen at my house, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> because I did see, uh, I guess Cheyenne's posting YouTube videos now and somebody posted, like, a recap of it on Reddit and they split custody pretty evenly. Like, she's with, I think Cheyenne has Ryder Sunday to Wednesday and then he has her Thursday to Saturday. Like, they have custody pretty fucking split so it's not like he's only with her every other weekend so she's on her best behavior and also I think she's a little young to be doing that so I just am curious like maybe Corey really does have rules and she doesn't so when when Corey goes to drop Ryder off with Cheyenne they're like at a family barbecue I did want to point out that Cheyenne is wearing a one piece I guess it's like a bathing suit cover but it's gray and it looks like a short suit wetsuit (laughs) it looked crazy and he's like hey we need to talk and he's like we need to get on the same page with rules and Cheyenne's like okay and he's like you need to do a 9 p.m bedtime even though I know that's hard and I was like 9 (laughs) p.m That's late as fuck for a baby. I mean, I guess Ryder doesn't go to daycare, so she maybe sleeps in later, so it doesn't matter that much. But I was like, is Cheyenne not putting the baby to bed before 9 p.m.? Like, damn. And he's like, you need to brush her teeth and you need to read to her at night. And I was like, is Cheyenne not reading to the baby? Like, I just was really surprised to hear Corey say this because from everything we've seen, Cheyenne seems to be a pretty good mom. And I was like, is this really what's happening? And Cheyenne flips out. I think rightfully. Like, I don't know. I still can't, I still can't understand. Like, I'm still a little confused as to if Corey is, like, saying truthful things or not. Because Cheyenne is like, or Corey's like, I think your priorities have shifted away from Ryder. And Cheyenne's like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. I'm the one that keeps her schedule. I'm the one that knows all her doctor's appointments. I'm the one that has all of her health stuff. And I was like, okay, that's fair. 
And Cheyenne gets pissed because she's like, why aren't you just asking me if I do these things? Why are you asking me what's going on? Like, why are you saying that I just don't do them? That's not right. And I thought that was fair. Um, Especially if she's the one that's in charge of the doctor's appointments. She's the one in charge of the schedule. She's the one that does, like, all of the invisible labor of raising Cheyenne, or of raising Ryder. If Cheyenne's the one that's in charge of all of that, like, then why is he coming to her acting like she's not, like keeping riders a priority. I think the way that Corey went about this was really shitty. And it was like, he was kind of like setting up on camera for Cheyenne to look like a bad mom, which is like weird and manipulative. And I don't get it, but I do have questions. Like, is she really not putting Ryder to bed? Is she really not reading to Ryder? Is she not brushing Ryder's teeth? Like, is she really not doing that shit? Cause if she's not doing that shit, then Corey's right. But if she is doing that shit, then fuck Corey for trying to bring it up on camera and making her look like a bad person. It's hard to tell because we don't really know them that well. Okay, let's finish on up this episode with Amber. So Amber's segment kind of picks up at the courthouse. And we see Andrew on camera. Andrew on camera. Andrew walks by her and she gives the camera like a look of disgust. Once again, I want to point out no fucking accountability. Just none. Just none. Um, <laughs> then they do a prayer circle for Amber. It's like Gary, Christina, Amber, and the other girls that came. It's just so ridiculous because you know Amber just loves God. She loves to pray. <laughs> oh, we get a courtroom drawing of the girls and poor Caitlin was done dirty. <laughs> we find out the restraining order against Amber for James was lifted, but there's a gag order with the custody case and she can't talk about it further. Um, they get back in the car and Amber's like, I'm like sitting in the room like crying over my son and you're over there with no emotion talking about Andrew and Amber or Macy calls him a narcissist, which is <sighs> really Macy. Like once again, like this is the hill you want to die on Macy. Andrew's the narcissist here because he wasn't crying over the fact that he was in court for being abused. Like it just doesn't make any fucking sense. It makes no fucking sense. Um, Gary and Christina are talking about this after the fact, and Gary lets us know that Andrew is a manipulative person behind closed doors. He knows Amber made a mistake because Amber gets the benefit of the doubt of making the mistake, but Andrew is the vic- or Andrew is the one that caused all of this. Is what we're supposed to believe from MTV, which is so fucking sick. It's so sick, and please. Don't come on my Instagram and say, well, if Andrew would just film, we would know his side because they chop and screw it so it fits whatever narrative they want. Because look at what they fucking showed. Look at what they showed when he did agree to talk to them. You think it would be any fucking different? No, it wouldn't be. They would just use his words to still make him look bad because this is the narrative that they need because they need to keep or want to keep Amber on the show and they can't keep her on the show if they're going to show her as an abuser. They just can't do it. So Amber's crying and she's saying to the girls, like, she's never going to give a man a chance again. Like, cut to one day later when she's a man moved from Europe into her house. This is what I mean. Like, I don't know how anybody can be on Amber's side. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. So we get, she's going to start fighting for custody. And it's like, Amber, 
we know that you don't want to be a mom. That's what's so, like, the most infuriating about all of this is that we know Amber doesn't want to be a mom or care about being a mom. So I don't know why she constantly pretends for the cameras that she does. So Larry calls Andrew and he's like, you know, we've had so much stuff happen on this show. And we've only, we've never shown just one side. It's important for us to share what's going on with you. And Andrew's like, well, I have really bad anxiety. I can't sleep. Like, this has been really, really hard for me. And Larry's like, oh, no, we totally understand. So he's like, let's just come over and talk. And Andrew, they go over to Andrew's house. And Andrew's like, you know, this stuff happens. And she honestly either doesn't remember it or she makes it so it doesn't exist anymore, which I thought was a really poignant statement. And I think very evident of how Amber acts. And Andrew also says, you know, it's not my job to get her mentally stable. I just, I can't do that anymore. Which once again, yeah, agreed. And he says, you know, before any filming goes on, I'm going to have, if I'm going to be part of this show, it's not worth it for me unless I'm getting the same pay as everybody else on the show after everything I've been through. And then we get a flash of the screen and it says, at this time, Andrew decided not to tell his story. I'm sorry, but like, Why is it a bad thing that Andrew asked for more money? I saw a lot of people online like, oh, fuck Andrew. He's just trying to get paid. Like, why shouldn't he be getting paid? Andrew was the victim in this situation. His girlfriend attacked a door with a machete while he was on the other side of it holding his infant son. Like, why should he not get paid the full amount? Why? Because he hasn't been on the show as long? Who cares? Do you think Corey and Cheyenne are getting, like, base rate paid? No. Corey and Cheyenne are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why shouldn't he get paid? Bristol and Dakota got paid. Why should MTV has the money? If they want to use his story and they want him to be telling his story and he's going to have to deal with every time an episode airs, the all of the comments and the tweets and all of that shit, then why shouldn't he get a fucking fair paycheck for that? Pay him $500,000. Who cares? Who cares? MTV is the money. Does anybody on the, if you don't believe that Andrew should get paid, then you believe that the other cast members have a justifiable pay rate. <laughs> and the only reason the other members have a justifiable pay rate is because they've been on the show for longer. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> all, this is all fake. Like all of the numbers that they're paid, it's all made up. MTV can pay them whatever the fuck they want, especially on OG, because OG doesn't have that favored nations clause. On Team Mom 2, all of the main cast members have to get paid the same, which is why Brianna just got a third season rate when she first came back. And it's because they have, like, that favored na- or second season rate. It's because they have that favored nation clause where all of the same, all of the main cast members have to be paid the same. But Team Mom OG doesn't have that. So why should Team Mom... Like, why should Andrew not get paid the same? If Corey and Cheyenne are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, why shouldn't Andrew get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars? And if you're going to say to me it's because Corey and Cheyenne had a developed relationship with MTV, who cares? Andrew's the one with the story. Andrew's the one with the only compelling storyline of this entire season. So if they want to use him for it, why shouldn't he get paid? He'd be an idiot not to ask for it. If he's only getting $25,000 a season and you get a 30% tax rate on that... I mean, for me right now, that would probably be worth it. But if he doesn't feel that the little amount of money that he was getting paid is worth the response that he's going to have online, then he shouldn't do it. And I think that goes for anybody on this fucking show. If the money that you're getting is not worth the abuse and the hate that you get online, then don't do the show. 
That's just common sense. And it wasn't worth it for Andrew. And he told them what his number would be. And they said no. And so to frame this as Andrew's like some selfish, greedy bastard who was just looking to get paid, like, please. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And for MTV to set it up this way just shows that this is what they were planning on doing. So he was smart to ask for more money. You know, he gets paid for this episode. He'll get paid every time they use his voice. And that's that. Good for Andrew for walking away if he wasn't getting his right. That's what I would do. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to be the main character. If Andrew came back, he would essentially be the main character in the lead storyline, getting paid pennies compared to what his abuser and every other idiot on this show is getting. If every other idiot on this show can get paid, that idiot should get paid too. (laughs) You guys get what I'm saying? You get it? You get it? It's not... It's not that he's a bad person for asking for more money. He just decided what would be worth going on the show or not. And that this wasn't worth it. And so he's not doing it. And for that, I say good for him. Okay, that's about it for this week. I hope some good T-Mom drama happens soon. Oh, one other thing. Um, I just wanted to touch down real quick on the hypocrisy of Macy. The extra hypocrisy of Macy that she, you know, an Farrah first came back that she refused to film with Farrah and how awful she was about Farrah the entire time. And you guys know I've actually mostly been on Macy's side about that. I understood why she was very angry about Backdoor Teen Mom. It sullied her brand. The show was off the air and Macy was doing a lot of speaking tours. And I've always kind of understood Macy's point of view on Farrah. I understood why she didn't want to film with her at reunions. I understood why Macy hated Farrah. But for Macy to act this way about Farrah and to have acted that way about Farrah for so long and then excuse Amber from this narrative just really adds to the hypocrisy. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. I I forgot to say that earlier. And yes, it's absolutely true. We absolutely should acknowledge it. And we should keep our foot on Macy's neck over it. Anyway, that's it. Guys, have a good week. I'm going to put up an AMA soon, I guess. Maybe I'll record that today. Tomorrow for me, today for you. Check my Instagram, feathers underscore pod. And if you are interested in my sister wives slash many commissioned episode podcast, find me on Patreon at Liz Bentley. Anyway, everyone have a good week. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Self-isolate. Stay inside. It's going to be a while. Not Easter. Love you. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.